0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Welcome, welcome. This is the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. Of course, as always, joined by Chris Dauhauer. Chris,
2: how's it going? Going pretty good. I'm pretty much in my glory right now. There's actual real football to talk about. I know training camp, you know, there's still a little bit of hype that kind of gets tied to that and we'll kind of dissect some of that, but I'm excited there's actually football being played.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, We're finally starting to get some headlines some some real news that we're not just grasping at straws here with things to talk about um so let's jump straight into it um the first thing first order of business of course there's two like a massive headline looming over the nfl right now one of them's a little bit more fantasy related than the other but we'll certainly get into both at least a little bit um the first of which though and the more fantasy relevant one is deshaun Watson um getting a six game suspension uh I mean, what are the thoughts here? I think a lot of us expected it to be longer, a, a more substantial suspension. Uh, and, and we could get into the you know ethics, morals, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, like from a fantasy perspective, what does a six-game suspension mean? Because that's kind of in the middle here, where yeah, of what that matters for his value, especially um, you know, it, and other types of leagues and redraft. It's really interesting to see how much six games matters, but I mean, dynasty when you're getting him down the road as well, I don't know. Uh, That's an interesting decision um, by uh, what's her name? Sue Robinson. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. uh, By her uh, levying
2: a six game suspension. Yeah, I think definitely make a great point, Adam, Um, you know, I think that this is a precedent that's a little bit different than we've seen recently, especially with kind of the domestic violence things that we've seen kind of go on. We took, you know, a picture for the Dodgers, uh, Trevor Bauer getting suspended basically for almost two years now, maybe possibly his career could be over because of some of the accusations of what happened between him and a woman. This is 29 accusations, 20 of them, you know, were official, 29 total. Uh, I know they're settling out of court, but it's just kind of odd that this is with the president that you're going to set six games when there's been bigger, you know, uh, suspensions for lesser. I, I shouldn't, I don't want to say lesser, but things that haven't been kind of been not looked about as many people and accusations that go against a person. So this is kind of a little surprising to me, but I also think it's a little bit of politics going on with the off the air. I think, yeah, Sue obviously kind of talked about she's new. She's trying to, you know, be on the NFLPA side as well, trying to, win that middle ground, so to speak, trying to represent that's just going to be objective. Um, and then you the NFL kind of gets a chance to kind of, you know, what are they going to do? Because they can kind of just appeal this as well. So the NFLPA can appeal. So it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of still plays out. Um, I think for fantasy purposes, you know, Sean Goss is only out for six games. It's a, it's a boom to a lot of different players. The receivers definitely get a definite boost. Um, Murray Cooper jumps up in my mind immediately. Um, and then you look at some of the things that you're willing to do for fantasy-wise for the you know, long-term, as you, you're kind of more into the dynasty leagues. I think Deshaun Watson, Now, if you're going you to miss the 16th, you're like, hey, you know, I'm willing to buy a I can get a hold of that.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, certainly a really interesting situation. But definitely, I mean, if you're bought into the rest of that Browns offense, that, that's a sigh of relief, I'd imagine. Um, especially, like you said, the receivers with Amari. Um, and with some of the younger guys like Bell. I mean, could Amari get fed with someone like Brissett? Like, maybe. Like, it's one guy could get fed receiving the ball from a lesser quarterback, but certainly not multiple. It would just be the running backs and a receiver. There's not going to be multiple guys. Um, But when if Deshaun is there, then the opportunity for Bell to eat or for Nojoku to eat as well as Namari or even for, like, a Will Fuller, as I've said time and time again, to come in there. Um, there's plenty of options for how things could play out and how there could be multiple guys in this offense that are fantasy relevant on the receiving end rather than just being the two running
2: backs. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think you make a great point about there's multiple mouths that could actually be fed now. And one of those mouths, you talk about floor, he has you know, not signed for Cleveland. A guy that can play that role, I think, is Donovan peoples Jones. You're hearing a lot of great things about yeah. him in, in training camp right now. So that could mm-hmm. be a guy who's definitely keeping your radar where if you Cooper know, presents the quarterback, Donovan Peebles Jones isn't the guy you're you know, sniffing.
1: Or sniffing. Right. Exactly. Uh, Fantastic point. Bringing him up there as well. He is certainly uh, a a player that that could fill a similar role, as you mentioned. Someone who could be really interesting for best ball. Really interesting in fantasy as a whole, but especially uh, that that feels like um, the type of format for him. Moving on to the other massive piece of drama in the NFL uh, world right now. The Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, is suspended uh find um <laughs> we've got a whole lot of punishments coming down on him probably the biggest thing from a fantasy fantasy perspective or at least in the dynasty world things can kind of get interesting here they won't have a first round pick in it's 2023 correct i believe so and then a third round pick maybe the year after or the same year or i know it was a first and a third i forget the years um but at any rate that is a massive punishment to get <clears throat> thrown down on a team. Um, also, Tom Brady implicated in this, uh, Sean Payton implicated. However, neither of them, both of them seem to be in the clear as far as any punishments concerned. So again, if you probably started reading through things initially, you might have been a little bit worried if, you're a, if you have Brady on any fantasy rosters. But it looks like, at least for the time being, those guys are in the clear. Um, but it was certainly interesting seeing their names brought up as well, especially Brady, that not only – I think we had kind of known or at least gotten a grasp on the fact that he had probably been speaking to the Dolphins while with the Buccaneers, but it, at least to me it was new knowledge that he had also been speaking to um, the Miami Dolphins while he was with the New England Patriots, especially with that, you know,
2: being in the same division. Yeah, I mean – you. I think there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes when it comes to sports, and sports people kind of connecting, and who has those connections. I think it's kind of interesting to see, you know, the league kind of pursue this. There's a lot of other things that are going going on in the league, um, you know, such as the Washington situation, but the league seems to be that they were very adamant they don't want any tampering, and they're, you know, showing a major hand. Now, kind of as you pointed out, quite often situations work out is the organization usually gets the the one who gets penalized, not usually the players, the coaches, where else is kind of involved as soon as the organization kind of suffers the brunt. So that could be a good thing. Fantasy-wise, um, I don't think, you know, this might sound odd, but it could be like a little bit of even more of a rally cry for the Dolphins in a sense that me against the world mentality to kind of rally them. They already have kind of that against their quarterback situation. You see, you know, Tyree kills kind of already kind of pushing the envelope in this off season. This could just kind of add that feel to the fire. Um, not to say that, you know, they need it, but I think this could be an interesting thing to see how of how this plays out. Absolutely. And, yeah, that does kind
1: of put the teams back against the wall, um, which, you know, hopefully, at least for them and for, I, I think both of us are fans of Tua, fans of what this offense could be with these electric wide receivers. But it could also certainly go the other way. I mean, this gives them, that takes away kind of their option to get, out of the Tua experiment if things this year don't go well. So, I mean, maybe that's kind of nice because it gives Tua a bit of a leash, but at the same same time, um, that's one asset that they could use to go get a quarterback for this awesome skill position group that they have um, if Tua isn't the answer. So, hope Well, he is. I, I'm
2: also just to see how the kind of ownership thing does play out. Steven Ross is kind of a guy that can get in his own way as well, but he does a little too much meddling as well. And I wonder if, you know, some of the quarterback things that we've heard over the years, clearly the kind of the questions about to haven't come from him and kind of his meddling. So I do I do think this might be, like I said, be a blessing in disguise. It sucks to lose a first-round pick and a third-round pick as an organization, of course. But on the flip side, you kind of got an owner hopefully out of the way that kind of had, was messing up things more than he seemed to be helping.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um so training camp is awesome and I'm super glad that we have uh again, as we talked about at the open of the show, some real football news um to talk about. But what always sucks about this time of year is the football news that you hate to hear and is all the injuries. So there's there's been a handful. Uh we'll we'll start with probably the worst of today, which was Tim Patrick who tore his ACL. He'll be out for the season more than likely, although the recovery time for things like this has been getting quicker and quicker. Um, This is certainly a team that could go deep in the postseason, um, but I wouldn't expect to see him anytime soon. Um, Certainly sucks. What were you expecting out of someone like him? Obviously we had probably penciled him in as the receiver three. Um, What were you expecting to see out of him? And does this, is this a big win for former second round pick KJ Hamler who, you know, was kind of a, a talented player coming out of college, had a really good rookie season, at least a pretty solid rookie season, nothing crazy, um, but now has an opportunity after getting hurt last year to come out and, and be in,
2: at least on the field um, in an offense for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt Hamler. I think this is still a guy that we've heard more hype about than we've actually seen on the field. The guy's been kind of banged up since he came out. I know he can fly, but have we seen anything in the NFL other than that to kind of make this guy you know the next big thing? I think we're kind of in a lot of fantasy times, we kinda of look for that hype. We're kinda of for that big guy to boom. But he's been in the league about three years now. So the guy actually I think it benefits with the guys, I should say it benefits, is gonna be I think Judy and Sutton. I think you're gonna see consolidation of targets. Um and I think it helps a lot. Both those guys in the red zone particularly, where I think Patrick was gonna have a good role. Um we kinda of, I had a little debate between myself and my, you know, uh, co-host, um Dan Mader on MD's famous football show about Tim Patrick and where he kind of he falls in his rankings and we kind of proceed. I believe that Patrick had a decent amount of value because if you look at the history of Russell Wilson with tall, running with, tall, tall receivers, um, they usually get featured in the red zone, whether it was a David Moore, um, go back to Mike Williams. You can go through it years, year after year after year. Seattle, pretty much the guy was over six foot five. He got targeted. So I always thought that was a good guy. had a kind of lot of boom, a guy that people kind of just sleep on because he wasn't you know a big name. They got paid this offseason for a reason, and I think that he was, had a, a chance to be one of the better receivers out there and play a lot. Um, so now, I think as a result, when you see those two receiver sets, you might see Judy out there more often than he probably would have if Patrick was healthy. When you see the three receiver sets, absolutely, that's going to help Hamler. But ultimately, you might see a lot more two tight ends, which you already kind of heard about as it was. that you have to a tight end in the third round? They had already had um, Albert O. Oh. So I think those guys, one of those two could actually step up. I liked Alberto a lot going into the season, but Deluge draft pick kind of, you know, tampered that. Maybe this kind of opens up something for both of those guys now.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. This is an offense that had so many mouths to feed that um, it's kind of hard to predict what, you know, how, how things are going to shake out with one less.
2: And um, real quick on that, a, what's your dynasty take on Handler? Because to, to me, I think I like I said, I just, I feel like some of the receivers I'm, I'm bigger on, but what is kind of your vibe with him? Um, I mean, I don't think he's anything more
1: than a bottom of the roster stash at this point. I think he's he's not someone that I'm out, outwardly going to make moves on now. Um, but at the same time, if I already had him, I'm certainly a little bit more excited than I was otherwise. I, I mean, there's an opportunity for him to, to go up in value here. Uh, again, he had a, showed some promise as a rookie uh, sophomore year. Hurt. Early on, I think he played in three games, one start, and then now, you know, here we are, um, you know, year three. Let's see what happens. This is kind of his make or break year, though, as far as dynasty is concerned. If he can't, with the starting position with Russell Wilson, a quarterback, if he can't produce, and that's probably about time to go ahead and give him the drop, even in dynasty. Um, we have some more uh, wide receiver injuries, unfortunately. Uh, looks like Van Jefferson, probably not too crazy. Um, but he is in doubt, or at least in question, uh, for week one after undergoing surgery, I believe, yesterday. Um, so what what do you make of him? Obviously, they added Allen Robinson. This will, I mean, give him a little bit less pressure, I would believe, um, to start the season. I certainly expected Allen Robinson to have the better season regardless um, but for him to, to start off strong, I think that'll
2: be big for him moving forward. Yeah, you've heard definitely rave reviews about how Robinson coming out of camp in the Rams. Um, I think that the thing that's kind of interesting for Grant Jefferson is this has kind of been his bugaboo the season, you know, for him as well as injuries. He he shows flashes. He shows that he could be a guy. And if this if he was healthy, this Rams offense can feed three receivers. They've shown that in the past. So he had a chance to kind of have, even with the Robinson signing, still have a nice season. And now you kinda of already heard rumors about Tutu Atwell looking better than he did last year, kinda of already nipping at the bud. Harris converted back from tight end to record receiver. So now can this guy kinda of forgotten about we talked about, you know, making a break it for Pet Hamler. This could be making a breakup for Jefferson, who showed a lot of flashes, like we said, and was drafted to replace Robert Wood basically. But because of the health concerns, just has ever kind of been that guy, OBJ kind of stole the thunder from him last year as a result of injuries. This year you kind of see the same thing happen with Alan Robinson.
1: Um, another injury. There's been a lot of this wide receiver position. Um, Our next one is James Washington for the Cowboys uh, out, I believe six to 10 weeks is what I read earlier. Um, So he'll be missing probably the first quarter of the season, give or take Um, first three, four weeks. What do you make of him and his potential impact in Dallas? He's not someone I expected a ton out of, but he is someone who's been a sneaky contributor uh, for Pittsburgh and there's certainly a possibility of there being some, um, you know, some playing time for a third receiver in Dallas, um, especially with some of the injuries that they've had prior earlier in the season. So, how does this impact them? Especially now having one less a veteran receiver, how does this impact that?
2: I actually think it's huge. Now, I've had this to be because a lot of people are huge on Tolbert, and I was not necessarily as high on Tolbert. And I, I thought that there was a clear kind of path for James Washington to fill an easy role, that James Washington isn't a bad receiver, was, you know, showed flashes in Pittsburgh, no. kind of had more talented guys kind of outplay him in this sense, We have Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and you could still fit at the receiver, but you have Ben Hussberger, who could put a ball to anybody at that point. So I think with that, and you have Juju Smith, the still there. So it was kind of a, a battle of numbers for this guy, a talented receiver, a chance to kind of show out in a sense. Um, I think this could have been a, a nice fit for him, I think the Dallas offense isn't going to be easy for a rookie receiver to transition into. And I think part of that you can see just even CD Lamb is one of the best receivers I've seen come out in all recent in memory, but even he kind of struggled to be on the field consistently because he still had to kind of learn certain things. He has to do with be a you know a receiver for Dallas. You got to be able to block. You got to be able to do certain things, and route running is going to be a big part of it. I think Colbert's could have still have that kind of chance to shine. I like to even words on him kind of going forward because I didn't think he really was have a chance to really be much more than just kind of a, a one trick you know go guy. But with Gallup injured, he has a clear path to success. Um, but for me, it just doubles down in my mind that CD Lamb is a true number one receiver to have on your roster this year. that draft capital you spent on him isn't, you know, it's not going to be bad. Is that going to not be worth it? Um, and then I double down and I think Dalton Schultz is going to be one of the top tight ends that I own this year because I think Dalton Schultz is Pat has best friend. And I think this makes him even more reliant on a guy because you're not going to look for a rookie receiver in key situations. I think that's going to kind of stand out to people. And you're going to see you know, some of the other things that kind of attrition through that, uh, other guys eat through attrition through that. And maybe even a Tolbert, I'm not Tolbert, I'm sorry. Even um, the running back, Paul, Pollard might eat the receiver. You heard a lot about him kind of laughing at the slot receiver right now. Um, and Jerry Jones can out talk about Zeke getting his carry. So the running backs might actually get a little bit benefit out of the situation. What's your take?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with a lot of that. I think that Pollard part's really interesting. Um because I I think that realistically that's probably the role that you would have seen out of a James Washington is playing a lot of slot near the line of scrimmage, trying to, to move him around. Um, Obviously I think that we'll see a lot of CD coming out of the slot as well. I think you'll, you'll see him, but I think CD is someone that they're going to move around uh, inside outside as much as they can. Whereas, uh, you know, these are guys that I think you're going to see more predestined to the slot whenever possible. Um, We have one last uh, injury. We haven't heard an outcome yet, so we have no idea whether this is just missing a little bit of training camp or even, you know, if they'll be back this week or if it'll be something more serious. Um, But Sky Moore did leave practice today with a hip injury. Of course, a rookie in an Andy Reid Mahomes offense, even missing a little bit of training camp. This is kind of a big deal, especially when this is, as we talked about last week, um, picking the correct wide receiver to be the guy for the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, that's a massive payoff because we know that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 4,500, 4,700, 5,000 yards. He's going to put up crazy numbers. Someone's got to be catching those balls. So p- again, picking the right guy, picking the guy that's getting the majority of those outside of Kelsey, obviously that's valuable. So I mean, how do you feel again? This is a complicated offense, especially now when you've lost your ultimate chess piece in Tyreek Hill. Sky Moore, I don't know if he could afford to miss much practice. Again, I don't know if he'll be back later this week, but he did leave practice today with the hip injury.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of crucial for some of these guys. I think like we saw Eskridge last year for Seattle. He missed some early camp and basically became a non factor throughout the season had decent draft capital spent on them. But once you kind of fall behind the eight ball and guys are out there kind of showing what they can do, co- coaches are going to get comfortable with their sets. They're going to be comfortable with what they see. And you fall behind the playbook. You fall behind the reps. Suddenly, you're not getting time run the second unit, third unit. You're not going to make up that stuff like up in you know, preseason. And that's where people used to have a chance to kind of shine again. But how the league's set up now, guys are barely playing if you're going to be the starter in preseason. So I think a lot of these guys, you know, if you're a rookie – and you're not having a, you're not you know, credible talent in the sense that people are just making sure they're going to have you on the field. These guys are, could be easily forgotten about in their first year, especially in the read as You kind of pointed it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, difficult situation for him. Rooting for us a speedy recovery. I want to see them, all of those guys, back on the field. One last thing before we get into our game of I bet you today, which where we'll be doing quarterbacks and running backs. Um, there was a quote from the Steelers' new GM, Omar Khan, on wide receiver Deontay Johnson's um, holdout, or you know he, he's showing up, but he's just not practicing with the team. Um, GM said that they hope that he is going to be a Steeler for a long time. So Chris, got to ask you, do you think that Deontay Johnson finishes this season as a Pittsburgh Steeler?
2: I think, yes. I think when the Steelers come out and say they're going to keep you, then you're going to be kept. It's pretty much that simple. We saw this with J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt. No, sorry, J.J. Watt. Um, J.J. Watt's brother, sorry. <laughs> J.J. Watt. I apologize. Yes, T.J. Watt. We saw this kind of last year, T.J. Watt play, play out. He was trying to hold off the bigger deal. The team kind of knew they wanted to pay him, but we're trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do in the meantime. Still showed up, in sense sense. Those in practicing I think it's just kind of the Pittsburgh's way of, you know, we don't want to get you hurt, you don't want to get hurt, we're doing what H's want us to do, but we're still kind of working, you know, in good faith towards something. I think there'll probably be, you know, some compromise, maybe for John- Deontay Johnson's deal with a little bit. You saw Debo's deal with DK Metcalf come out recently, so I think that kind of set the precedent, which looking for a little bit better for some of these GMs and some of these owners, that, because the numbers aren't 25 million, they're more like around 18 to 17 million, kind of averaging out. So I think that might be something that kind of, you know, pushes some of these teams over to bring 20 receivers back. Um, everybody else is resigned other than AJ Brown, which AJ Brown you know, recently tweeted about, you know, it's not just me. Uh, everybody else seemed to bring that back to the receivers. Um, but I think this is going to be a thing that's going to be easily worked out. I think Pittsburgh is kind of has a, you know, a good plan. If they're going to, they want to keep you and your GM says they want to keep you, I think they will.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so as I mentioned, we're going to get into um, – We're going to get into our game of I Betcha. But before we do that, we're going to get a word from Dan and a word from our sponsor, Manscaped.
3: Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nut sack on the cul-de-sac. Stay big and be the most hygienic version of yourself. By using the discount code bellyupfantasy for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the performance package 4.0. Inside this package is the lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush worst nightmare with a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website too to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code bellyupfantasy at manscaped.com. It's time to level up your game from the Amazon to the Amethong with the ultimate bushwhacking tool from Manscaped. So one more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today.
1: All right, we are back. Thank you so much, Dan, and thank you so much, Manscaped. Go get you some Manscaped stuff. Uh, Belly Up Fantasy uh, is the code there. Um, We're into some I Betcha, like I mentioned before the break. Uh, We're going to start with the top Seahawks running back for the season between Kenneth Walker, the rookie, drafted at the top of the second round or in the second round, uh, versus Rashad Penny, who many labeled as a bust until a hot, hot stretch to end uh, last season uh, came back on a deal after you know having been injured for the majority of his first three, four years in the NFL. Um, so, Chris, we'll start. We'll start with you.
2: Who do you think yeah.
1: between the two leads off the the Seahawks running back room fantasy points this year?
2: It's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see Rashad Penny be the starter for the season, but I think ultimately Kenneth Walker winds up being the guy that you should wish you owned, especially during the playoff stretch. I think that you're going to see him get featured more and more into the offense. He's a more explosive running back. I like myself I from Penny last year, but I also saw a team basically commit to just running against everybody they played against and a lot of teams that they're playing against not really caring, you know, that much. Um, So I do interested to see Kevin Rashad Penny be healthy for the whole season can you take a workload that he was kind of? Can you take the hits? I think you are going to see this guys put carries regardless. Pete Carroll kind of has a history of that back in you know USC days. He's Orlando White, Reggie Bush, kind of put the carries. I would be surprised if we see something kind of similar where you, you see one guy kind of have the more the these outside the more the lightning roll, and they have more that thunder roll, that bigger role, and then you tackles role for the bigger guy. So I think these built like these guys can eat. but the, ultimately Walker's the more explosive guy. I think as the rookie as the season progresses, he's the guy that'll probably be the one to have.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree that I think Kenneth Walker is probably the one to have, but I think what's really interesting is how big will that gap be. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one, especially in Dynasty and Redraft. I don't, I don't know their ADPs off the top of my head, but I would imagine that it's not uh, the craziest gap in the world. But I know in Dynasty, uh, Kenneth Walker is expensive. Um, so certainly if, if the gap is close, at least a year one return, probably not what you um, had in mind if you picked him, if Rashad Penny and him are close. Um, also, it, the gap matters a lot because quite frankly, this is an offense that has a good chance, at least today, with who they have today of not being very good. Um, and, and neither of these guys really project to getting a ton of receiving volume. So these are guys that are really going to need to get in the end zone to provide fantasy value. So if they're splitting a ton of carries but not getting a ton of value because they really need touchdowns to get you much, it might be a long season for both of them. Certainly don't want that, but I, I definitely I will have say, my
2: concerns. I will say, and I, I know this is a strong bet, that we're going to be more definitive who we want to pick up, but I do think that one of the things to keep in mind is this passing attack is going to be a little bit different than I think that most running backs are catching the bottom the backfield. we talk about. Pete Carroll is going to probably use a lot of short passing attack with little flare routes, little flares to the running backs, and to glorify costs in a sense. And I think you might see some cheap catches in a sense for Rashad Penny. Don't forget, Chris Carson wasn't a pass catcher the first year or two and became more and more involved in that passing attack through Kyle kind of I'm talking about and eventually became using actually ran an option route occasionally out of the backfield. But for the most part, he became a guy you could kind of rely on having in your roster and playing weekend enough because he was actually involved in the passing attack. So I do think that there's a possibility that one of these guys can kind of, or both these guys can be utilized a little bit more than they have been. And because of the quarterbacks in the situation, I think you're going to see a lot of checkdowns as a result. So it will be interesting to see. Um, I kind of see this playing out similar to maybe a, a Denver situation last year or a Green Bay situation last year where, like I said, I think you're going to be both guys who kind of eat. It's cause I think it's definitely committed to running the ball.
1: Absolutely. All right, we're going to be on to our next running back situation, which will be the Texans, uh, which are our main contenders, are Damian Pierce, Marlon Mack, and Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead is the elder statesman of the group, but also the only one who is a returning Texan. Marlon Mack coming over from the Colts after really not playing much last year because the year before, um, he had his significant injury, uh, Achilles, if I remember correctly. Damian Pierce, the rookie out of Florida, uh, drafted in the mid-rounds. I don't know. I, I've been leaning a Mac, but I, we, we've talked about, had this conversation a couple times, I feel like, this offseason. And the more and more that we talk about it, I just feel like I have this sinking feeling that it's going to somehow, some way, end up in Rex Burkett's hands. So I, I think my official answer Reasonably is Marlon Mack, but like I just have some sinking suspicion that somehow Rex has just gonna find a way to hang around. Um, but yeah. That, again, my serious yeah. answer is Marlon Mack. I think if he can recover to like eighty percent of his previous ability, then then he's the far and away guy.
2: Yeah, you're hearing a lot of hype about the Pierce and blah blah, but they're, you know, they're running around in their underwear right now, basically. Um, as he said. And I think that it's kind of nice to see this guy, you know, showing the flashes that he has. But I think that ultimately he's a rookie. I think the retro will get the first shot. They re-signed Burkhead, which is, you know, it is obviously the year which he has to actually play out there. Marlon Mack, I think, is the most, most talented back in the backfield. I think if he is healthy, I think he has a chance to shine the most. Um, but I think there's going to be a chance that all three of these guys are probably going to play, unfortunately, the kind that we saw last year. And as a result, it's going to be really hard to pick the winner. But I'm gonna go with Marlon Mack because I wanna see it, Adam. That's why I'm gonna say it. Because I want to see Marlon Mack get his chance, to kind of get his shot back with his career back on track. A guy that, you know, really flashed well for the Colts, can catch the ball at the backfield, run the ball well, can do a little bit of everything. So I wouldn't mind seeing Marlon Mack be that guy. And I think with 12 to 15 touches a game, he could be that guy.
1: I I certainly agree there. My one one fear, and it's kind of the same thing that I said with Seattle, but my one fear. Is that somehow we end up in this space where Damian Pierce is getting all the goal line touches? We got Marlon Mack running between the twenties, and then we're we're getting passes out of the backfield to Rex Burkhead. That's I, an excellent
2: point. I think there's <laughs> a, it can be very much. It can be easily put into. A, everybody has a role of offense that we said the Patriots last few years. I absolutely agree with that.
1: Yeah, in which case, Damian per- Pearson at the end of a best ball draft
2: could be worse. I guess. I don't know. Probably. Well, I feel like in that case, I go with the pass catcher because whoever's catching the passes, that tenor, this, this, this team's still going to be horrible this year. So this Texas team going to be, be behind quite often in the games. So I pilot need whoever's in the pass catching guy would be. That's, that's a really good sense. point.
1: Really, really good point. Um, that's probably the least fantasy relevant uh, backfield on the list. This is going to be one, though, where we're going to look at um, – Some different teams, not just inside one backfield. But the better season between Melvin Gordon, A.J. Dillon, and Rashad Stevenson. So the guys who are um, outside of Stevenson, who got some starter reps last week. But I think we perceive him still as the RB2 um, for New England. So these guys who are perceived as the running back two on their team. Who do you like between these guys? I mean, for me, Stevenson, I think, has the most upside. Uh, Harris, I think, could go a lot of ways just because he's the last year on their deal. You could see New England just run him out because he's certainly a really talented running back. Um, But Stevenson, also a very talented runner, but also for his size, you know, 235 or whatever he is, um, had some really nimble feet uh, in college showed it last year that he has it here um, in the NFL in New England, was a great pick last year. Um, He could be a great receiving back with that size, also a great running back. Um, I think he has the upside, and that's just the way that I'm going to lean personally.
2: Yeah, I I think it's a really tough one for myself. All these guys have a nice little opportunity the one I think that gets easily overlooked is Melvin Gordon, but the consistency has been there year in and year. Yeah. So I think for me, he passed the safest floor. Um, but I, I agree with you with Romandri Stevenson. To me, is the guy that I'm willing to take the shot on. So I'm willing to go the I bet you on him. Because I love AJ Jones' talent. So I think Aaron Jones is going to eat. And the Green Bay team still so not going to you know, be quite as efficient as it was last year offensively. So they're still going to have some you know, things to kind of figure out. I think Ramondre Stevenson winds up being the guy in the backfield for this Patriots team moving forward. I love what I'm hearing about the camp. I love what you kind of alluded to that he's already taking kind of some, some first-team reps. He's been mainly involved in the passing attack. When a running back who's as big as he is, and we obviously know he can run between the tackles, is allowed to catch the ball, that's huge for the Patriots. I call it the Rex Burkhead role. It's the guy who's actually allowed to do more than one thing, as we kind of alluded to, having guys <laughs> kind of being pigeonholed in the Texas backfield. If Rodney Stevenson isn't pigeonholed and, and can catch the ball and run the ball, it guarantees him to get 15 to 18 touches – we saw him last year only 10-12 touches be relevant as a flex option. I think he's definitely the guy who I want to have of the three. And the draft capital is the least to spend on it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, on to our next backfield. We're going to stay in the division at least as far as, as the guy that we decided on in Ramondre Stevenson, so excuse me on the name. But <laughs> we're going to look over at the Miami Dolphins with uh, – Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, uh, Sony Michelle, and Mostert. What do you think here? I've been leaning Edmonds, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say.
2: I've been leaning Edmonds as well. I had a little bit of trepidation with the Michelle signing that kind of paused me, and then the heat, I was thought Mostert was you know it was kind of a fly I took, but when I heard he's healthy and actually expected to start the season. That kind of gave me some trepidation because this guy's been very effective when he's been out there in his offense. Yeah. And can have the big play instantly. He can just kind of light up things for his offense. So I think he could easily have a role. And then that's where I kind of thought Evans was kind of locked in. He's the explosive grease running back for all those three. Then I'm like, okay, at least I think Evans has the safest floor, so I'm still going to stick with him because I think he'll be involved in the passing attack. And we've seen him kind of be still able to eat as a flex option, if nothing less when he was in Arizona, splitting touches with other running backs. These other guys are kind of dependent. So, Michel needs to get the ball a lot or he needs to get the ball in the red zone. Most of needs to have a kind of big player, needs to get the balls handed to him, He's not catching the ball out of the backfield. Gaskins, to me, is a scrub, just a guy who kind of got chance by through opportunity because he was the only guy back there. They had you know, um, the other guy from Washington last year in the backfield with them. and they're just two guys who I think are just guys. Um, so I think that's where he's not anything really to worry about. So I'm going to go with Edmonds still, but I think that most Michelle, those two guys, I'm very interested to see who's the early down role, possibly because that they also could have some value. How about you, Adam?
1: Yeah, uh, Ahmed, I believe was the other Washington guy. Yes, thank Uh, you. But nonetheless, Michelle is the one that that really scared me for sure. I mean, really, New England never used him how, uh, at least I expected him to be used coming out of college. Uh, He certainly wasn't getting the role that I expected. Then came in on short notice, filling in with, for the Rams um, after he was traded, I believe, early in the season. Um, uh, after the the injury to Acres, I don't know. He's a really, really good back, and we haven't seen him in a situation where he had, you know, a decent lead-up time. I mean, really, even much of a camp um, for for a team that's in an offense that he actually fits. That being said, I mean, we're now year five he's certainly a talented back um but he just to this point hasn't played to the level um that i, I think we expected him to uh Edmonds was really really efficient last year when he was actually given opportunities so he's someone that i'm just hoping as a as a fantasy guy that he gets some more opportunities so maybe that's why i i just want it to be him um, but nonetheless, I, I mean, he's someone that can be a monster PPR guy. I think he's probably the best receiver of the bunch, no question. Um, but whether or not he can kind of, you know, come into his own as a runner, I do think he makes a lot of sense um, in this Shanahan style system. At least as far as the ground
2: game is concerned, he does. And there's also one of the running backs that can make something happen without a kind of creases or holes. I think that's going to be crucial because this offensive line doesn't have a whole lot of continuity. I know they brought in Armstrong, Armstrong said, but they moved a lot of guys around their position. So it's going to be interesting to see as they learn a new system, new positions, you know, kind of how do they go. And quite often, the guy who can kind of make a little mess, we've seen Edmonds you know, be very productive and thrive, despite having a horrible offensive line in Arizona. Yeah,
1: uh, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of the Shanahan system, uh, let's move over to the 49ers and their running back situation Uh, We spoke last week, I believe, or maybe, or not last week, but last show, or maybe the show before, but I think it was last show, um, that Jeff Wilson was currently getting reps over both uh, Tyrion Davis-Price and Trey Sermon as the RB2, the San Francisco 49ers. So we're going to get into the question, who is the leading fantasy back for the 49ers? I, I think that this has a heavier favorite than any of the other backs that we've talked about. Um, But it's also the guy making the decision is (laughs) much more eclectic, random, whatever, um, than some of these other guys, too. I mean, you never really know with Kyle Shanahan. He can just fall in love with one of these guys and keep it running. Or he could fall in love with one of these guys, a la Trey Sermon or potentially Davis Price, around draft time and forget about him by the time the season starts and go with um, his his typical speedy guy. So, Chris, what's your thought here? Are we just going to keep it simple, to stay with Elijah Mitchell, or is one of is his new toy um, going to get some run?
2: I'm going to keep it simple and keep it Elijah Mitchell because I think he's the most talented running back in the backfield. And I think that we've seen this kind of show before. You absolutely make great points about, you know, Kasha and him kind of having his favorites and kind of and the whims he can go on. I think it's not going to be something that you're going to love having Elijah Mitchell on your team necessarily this year because of the, the involvement of the other guys. But we've seen Ricky Moser kind of have the split carries with other guys. When he was healthy, he still got his touches. He still got his 12 to 15 catch or run, rushes per game. So as long as Mitchell's healthy, then I think he's going to be the guy that gets his 12 to 15 touches and everybody else kind of compliments around that. So that's where I'm kind of gearing towards that. I think that he shows he's the most explosive guy. He shows me the guys that fit the offense. He also is the guy that they're they're worried about keeping healthy, so they're kind of looking at the other guys to kind of be the grinders, in a sense, and I think that shows you to a degree that they realize that when Mitchell isn't out there, the offense is explosive, so they need to keep him kind of out there the whole season, especially with this quarterback that they're going to have, so I think he's going to be the guy.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, I just don't see it with some of these other guys. Davis Price was a surprise pick to me, I'll be honest. Um, I I like, say, Trey Sermon coming into that draft, but clearly um, he's done something to Shanahan or something because he is completely in the doghouse currently uh, a year after being a second-round pick or or third round, whichever it was. I think third, Um, but regardless, um, a a decent running back pick, um, now fourth in the depth chart already. (laughs) Certainly interesting there, but moving on, we're going to quickly move through these other running back positions. Um, the Ravens running backs, certainly interesting, especially with the J.K. Dobbins news that we got last week um, about him potentially not being being ready for the beginning of the season. And then, of course, he refuted that. Uh, but we're, we're probably going to stick with the Rappaport story. He's typically pretty accurate, at least I'm going to. Um, so what do you think season long between Gus Edwards or Dobbins? I think if we saw a healthy Dobbins start to finish, I think it'd be him, but... If is that the case?
2: Yeah, I'm not forget. really quite sure. Well, Gus Edwards is also coming off major. You yeah. see, I guarantee he's going to be 100% out there either. And they did sign Davis, um, and we saw the veteran running backs be of preferred guys to kind of utilize last year. So I think it's an interesting question who, you know, kind of, kind of that guy. For me, I think J.K. Dobbins, if he's healthy, either he misses a game or two in the beginning of the season or even a couple games. That's still to me the guy who's the most talented running back. I could not wait to see what he's going to do that second year on the offense. I still can't wait to see what he's going to do with this offense. I think he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. You start seeing that kind of increase as he before he got injured. Um, I think it's going to continue to be the case. They lost Marquise Brown's offseason. So there's an opportunity for him to kind of be involved in that passing attack. So for me, J.K. E. Dobbins is that guy. But I think Gus Edwards or Davis, whoever that kind of second-fiddle guy winds up being, is going to be interesting to kind of watch because this already offense is. A lot of rumors are going back to that kind of run oriented first offense. And if that's the case, they could easily feed two running backs. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Dobbins, the efficiency with which Dobbins was running as a rookie um, back half of his rookie season was absolutely incredible. Um, it's a shame that we didn't to get to carry.
2: Yeah. But, but then we get to the a guy who runs between the tackles like he does, averaging over five yards of carry. So it's just like, and, wow.
1: Until last year, had averaged over five yards a carry literally every season of his career after being undrafted. Like, ridiculous stuff. So both of them, like the efficiency of this rushing offense, especially, you know, obviously um, the elephant of the room with Lamar. um, This could be a ridiculous rushing offense for sure. Um, We'll do the Falcons next. Um, This is an interesting one because it felt, to me at least – like, the obvious answer was going to be CPAT yet again, um, but then there's been the rumors throughout the offseason that he's going to play a little bit more receiver, and some of these other guys are, are getting some some run in the running back room. So, Chris, what are you thinking here?
2: So, I think that they're going to wind up using Tal Algier as a starter. I love him. I love the fit for him. But – I can't get past the fact that the Cordell Patterson and his efficiency as a running receiver last year, the Debo Samuel role, per se, that we kind of talk look at it now. And if that's going to continue to be what he's utilized, the guy that's guaranteed to get seven to eight touches you know, through the air, through the ball handed to him, and utilizing the red zone as well, I love his floor. I think the Atlanta offensive line has lots of lot kind of to determine whether they can block for guys or not. Algier is a guy that I do like a lot, like I said, but he was not, has not had a lot of Jeff Capo spent on him necessarily. But Patterson, a guy that can be easily utilized all over the field, those guys to me are, like Chase Evans, you kind of pointed out, they're kind of foolproof in a sense or offensive line prep proof, um, and they can kind of thrive no matter how the game kind of plays out. If you're up, you're down, they can still get theirs. So I'm going to go with Patterson barely.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm also going to go with Patterson, and I don't think that's any knock to Algier to your point. Mike Davis last year, who we've already spoke about once today, but Mike Davis last year had 140, just under 138 attempts. Um, and, and for most of the beginning of last season, he was getting at least 10 carries a game. Uh, it was just Chris, uh, Cordero Patterson was getting 10 carries a game plus five receptions. So I, I think it's very reasonable to say that Alagier could get his, you know, eight to 13 carries a game. And, you know, could be an interesting guy, especially in Dynasty or especially in best ball, things like that. Play some matchups, um, especially matchups where the Falcons might be up. Um, however, Cordero Patterson, the upside's ridiculous. And if he just stays in a sem- somewhat similar role, um, he's going to have a pretty healthy floor too. Am yeah, I crazy? I'm actually excited to see this Atlanta offense. I really am. Uh yeah, I, I'm really excited by this Atlanta offense. I don't think it's going to be a team that's particularly great, um, but I think that they have a chance to be really, really fun on the offensive side of the ball. Um, moving on, we have one last team, and then we'll, we'll split up the running backs a little bit, and then we'll move on to the quarterbacks. The last team here, the Washington Commanders. This is an interesting one. They brought back McKissick after he was almost gone to the Buffalo Bills, and then they went and drafted Brian Robinson. Um, I mean, really interesting stuff what they did this offseason. Um, they began last training camp, really around this time last year, um, they were talking about how, um, how Antonio Gibson was going to be in the Christian McCaffrey role. He was going to be catching balls. He was going to be running. And now they got Brian Robinson who is probably a better between the tackles runner than Antonio Gibson. And then they brought back JD McKissick who is definitely a better receiver than Antonio Gibson. And now that leaves us with the question. And I think this is a really interesting one. I don't it's one that I think is really interesting but I don't necessarily know how much value it has for fantasy just because I think it's probably going to be a committee. But Nonetheless, who do you think has this backfield, at least as far as fantasy points are concerned?
2: Yeah, I think I see the tough question. sometimes. You need to kind of look at the Texans, the Washington team, these different backfields where you're like, I don't want to look, but quite often when you look, you know, the season progresses, you got to grab what you can get your hands on. So I think it's definitely the question you need to be answering. For me, it's going to be Brian Robinson. We talked about this in other shows about, you know, Riverboat Ron has a, a forest. There is no Riverboat Ron. I think he plays conservative. He's playing for his job. They're going to try to be as conservative as possible. Brian Robinson doesn't fumble. Gibson does. He doesn't miss pass protections. Gibson does. He doesn't make the mistakes. Gibson does. So I think the guy who's going to get yanked the first is going to be Gibson because kind of saw the Ronald Jones last year and kind of the guys thrive as a result of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Gibson's the first one to get the hook. Kiske has a clear role. Obviously, he's going to be the pass catcher, and I think that as a result, looking for who's going to be in between the tackles guy. Gibson's a more explosive guy, has a lot of talent, could be utilized in a lot of different ways. I think he has a chance that he could, you know, shock the world, not shock the world, but or kind of meet my words. But I think that when it comes down to it, there's obviously some concerns and the inefficiency in the last two years has got to be one of those and those mistakes as I pointed out. I think Robinson's gonna want to be that guy towards the end of the season. Yeah.
1: I I don't I don't mind that. I do like Robinson quite a bit. Um, and again, I think he's the better in the tackle runner, uh, between the two. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say, I think it's McKissick, to be honest with you. I think that the the other two are just going to vulture each other. Um, I I don't know. I, I could see, uh, Ron Rivera seeing a little bit of Jonathan Stewart in Brian Robinson, giving him some play early on, but on the flip side, I just find it hard to believe that they're going to completely phase out Antonio Gibson. And with that, if all three backs are getting, um, are getting touches, then I'll take the guy who's getting the more valuable ones. And I, it's hard. I mean, you might see goal line out of Brian Robinson, which could get him um, to where you're saying to be the top guy. But uh, I know that McKissick's got the, <laughs> the receiving
2: value. So well, I'm going to stick it there. I don't run a little on time, Adam, but I want I got to kind of push back on this just real quick on your question. Now, I've heard a lot about Carson Wentz not checking the ball on running backs. So, how where does that kind of play into your equation?
1: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't a ton. Uh, I just, I guess it's the same argument with Naeem Hines last year. It's not something that Carson Wentz does a ton, but they clearly brought him back for a reason. I mean, he was almost gone, like he was about to be out of there like, <laughs> and they went and at the last hour went and outbid them. I don't think that McKissick's going to have like some crazy value. I am not even sure if he'll repeat last season, but I mean, this is a real possibility that you get five touchdowns out of Brian Robinson, five out of Antonio Gibson. You get a hundred carries out of one, a hundred carries out of the other. I mean, this could be a very heavy committee backfield, Um, so I don't know. I I think that you probably have higher upside with a Brian Robinson or with an Antonio Gibson, but I don't really believe in either of them completely phasing out the other this year. I think in Dynasty, I think Brian Robinson's in a very interesting situation.
2: Uh, I, I think that's a great point. I was probably, I kind of pushing push a bunch of chops a little bit, but I was interested to see because I do th- I agree with you. I think that sometimes the safest guy is the guy who can be welcome to the passing attack, and I think that's sometimes we overlook that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he still has flex potential, even if it's probably not the upside that he could have in other offenses. Um, we want to hit some of these quarterbacks really quick, um, and we're going to start we'll, – we'll start actually – With the most topical and that's probably the Steelers.
0: Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over fifty years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred Sports app today and receive up to two hundred fifty dollars in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be twenty one plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
1: quarterback excuse me um it's been really interesting so today Kenny Pickett uh or maybe it was yesterday but I think it was today Kenny Pickett uh, was the second quarterback um after last week being QB three for most of camp um quite frankly from everything I heard out of camp he was not doing well as the QB three either uh Tomlin today said that him being QB2, they were just trying to put him in that position um, to see how he reacted. And for all intents and purposes, everything I heard today was that it wasn't actually that bad of a practice. It wasn't a great practice, but it wasn't that bad. Now, from reading up on it before the show, it sounds like, um, at least from quality of play, uh, it's ranked out to trubisky rudolph it. Um, but I don't know how. How do you think this plays out over over the rest of the time? I mean, Pickett's only a rookie. He could pick it up even if he is 24 years old, going on 25. Um, I don't know. What yeah. are your thoughts here?
2: I I mean I've been kind of beating this drum, and I can't believe what I keep saying, but I'm gonna say Mitchell Trubis. He's gonna want to be in the quarterback, and I think he's the guy to own because. This Pittsburgh team, I think, is better than people kind of expected to be. They have the talent on this team, but they can kind of get the defense right at it to a degree and just be harness against the run like they were last year. Kind of get back to you know Pittsburgh football being able to tackle and then offensively kind of being able to actually threaten you you know more than two yards on the field. Um, I think it will be interesting to see the this team kind of be back to playoff contention. And as a result of that, you're not going to switch quarterbacks when you're trying to you trying to get the playoffs. So I think with Trubisky, this is his job as what he's been told basically. It's his job to lose in a lot of ways. Pickett has not impressed. He hasn't been allowing anybody in practice. I've heard, I've heard quite the opposite in the sense that basically he's been struggling big time. Um, surprise, surprise. But um, I think this also showed you that, you know, even Mason Rudolph was getting more of a liking from what I'm understanding of The why he looked more comfortable in the offense. He's familiar with what he was doing. He, he kind of, you know, it's the second year. he's had the most familiarity. And he actually stepped it up. So, I think those two quarterbacks the veterans are actually going to have the best you know, chance to be the guys to have this year. I think ultimately Mitch Trubisky has money to depend on him. He already has the starting reps. I think it's going to be his his job all season long unless he gets injured. So I think he's the guy to have.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm also leaning uh, Mitch Trubisky. Probably not the most fantasy-relevant QB room. Um, that we'll talk about, but certainly again the most top. It'll be interesting
2: because this guy has had that fantasy value on a Chicago team was horrible offensively, but his second, yeah, first you know, first two years he was pretty fantasy relevant. He's got a lot more talent around him than he had in Chicago. For sure. No,
1: there is a there is a ton of talent around him, and he he could end up being um, an interesting super flex option, a really good budget super flex option. Runs, yeah, because he runs I'm not, yeah, a, because he, run. <laughs> exactly. He runs, and this is an offense that I, I we've talked about this a couple times now on this show over the last month or two, but this is an offense that has um, the makings of one that could be running a lot of bootlegs, could be playing to his strengths. Um, There's certainly a reality in which he's a low end or mid-tier QB two, And that for some best ball teams and for some super flex teams could have some real value.
2: Absolutely. You know, there's no drafting quarterbacks and streaming guys, quarterbacks is going to keep on your radar as well. Mm -hmm. So let's move up.
1: We can actually move up from the top from that list I sent you earlier to the other, the group of um, last year's rookies. So we're going to do Lance versus Fields versus Zach Wilson. Um, how do you think in fantasy between these three, obviously you've got the potential rushing upside of the Lance and Fields, but the Jets have done a phenomenal job of putting weapons around Zach Wilson. But with the coaching staff that they have, is that enough? That remains to be seen. Wilson certainly on the field seems to have um, the upper hand, at least as far as supporting cast goes. But again, hard to trust what's happening coaching-wise. Bears look to be a mess. And who even knows if Lance is even the starter as of right now? Um,
2: but I don't know. Chris, what's your take? Well, he is the starter because it's his team. Who was you know Kyle Shannon came out and said that which, you know he's struggling, but I think you know Zach Wilson's an interesting guy. I love Zach Wilson coming into the out of last year from the draft. I think he's been next you know elevated his game. and the, the receivers and players around him are actually way better, like as you pointed it out. Also, the lines, going to have some more continuity. I hate the coaching staff mix though, and as a result, I also don't see Zach Wilson using his legs as much. And I'm going Justin Fields. And my belief system is pretty simple. When you're the quarterback on a crappy offense and you have to do everything, then you're probably going to be the one who has does everything. We've seen guys like Jalen Hurst have held some reinforced relevance reveal- last year where he kind of was asked to do a lot, carry that offense you know, with his legs, basically, in the red zone and make everything kind of happen. Justin Fields has one receiver to kind of look for in a tight end. probably going to tuck run a lot. He can probably utilize the red zone a lot for RPO action. Um, Straight Lance has other ways to kind of hide him. This 49er team has playoff aspirations. They're, they have talent around them. They're going to probably try to you know, utilize a running game. They're going to utilize a short passing attack. The Bears are going to be bad. So I put a, I think you're going to just if he was running around for his life, down 40 to 12, but you're going to get those cheap touch, rushing touchdowns or cheap touchdowns towards the end of the game. He's going to be the one you want to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just undeniable. There is a distinct advantage for receiving running backs and running quarterbacks. Um, they, they just have an advantage. It, it is what it is. Um, and Justin Fields might be the guy that's just running a ton, uh, keeping this team alive. So I, I think I agree there. Again, Zach Wilson's really interesting, because if this coaching staff did get it together, uh, play to his strengths, and play with their team strengths, um, he could really have an amazing sophomore season uh, I, I just don't know if I trust the coaching staff enough to say that it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, that or the division as well. Like, I kind of want to as well. I look at that division's defense. You know, that Dolphins defense is going to be good. That Buffalo defense is great on paper as well. That Patriot defense is always competitive, especially against younger quarterbacks. So that's kind of my You know, I kind of wore me over to the guy who can run around for his life out there, I think.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It is definitely easy to forget about the matchups, about the defenses. Certainly um, something I love that you always bring to the table.
3: <laughs> um,
1: this is one that I really like. They're some of the perennial high-end uh, Superflex guys, the guys that if you're in Superflex leagues, having them as your QB2 is, like, awesome. Uh, and that's Carr and Cousins. Both have completely new offenses around them. Um, with new coaching staffs, and with Carr having much upgraded weapons around him. So, so, Chris, let me ask you,
2: between Kirk and Carr, who do you have here? This is really tough for me. I think both quarterbacks have the potential to finish in the top 10 this year. I love both the fits with the coaching systems, the offenses, and the playmakers they put around them. I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins, though, Um Derek Carr, to me, hasn't shown to me that he can throw the touchdown passes and, and be a complete guy in the red zone. I trust that this Vikings offense is going to be kind of unleashed to a degree, um, and as a result, we've seen Kirk Cousins put up big numbers. It just usually it happens when the Vikings are down or they have to kind of go fast pace. Now it could be week in, week out, just kind of the game plan. And I love the receivers around him. I think Adam Field is a touchdown machine. So, I look at the guys kind of like scoring touchdowns. To me, the guy is going to be her cousins, where that to me the separating factor. I like Derek Carr a lot. I just think there's a lot of adjustments left to kind of go on for that rate of offense to kind of click. So, Vikings basically just have to kind of get the players back, hack them into a new system and you know, hit the ground running. Yeah.
1: Um, I think I agree. I really want to see Carr do super, super well in the system. I think he's going to. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that we've already seen Cousins flirt with being a QB one for multiple seasons and be a QB one a couple times. Um, yeah, that's just something he likes to finish around the bottom end QB one, top end QB two, um, which was what makes him amazing in superflex. He's just so consistent there. Um, so again, I think that's where I'm going to go. But I think the the ability for Carr to jump from being what he was last year to being in this conversation is certainly there. I totally agree. Um, we're going to throw another group of three out there now, and that's Rodgers, Burrow, and Stafford. So three of these guys who got some mobility, not saying they can't run or won't run a little bit, but some of these guys who – really rely on throwing a lot of touchdown passes um, to to have high degrees of fantasy value. Of course, we saw Burrow light it up last year. Um, we've seen that from Rogers two years in a row, but now not having Devonte Adams. And then of course Stafford had a really good season last year in his first year in LA. So certainly these are guys who change isn't that crazy. Um, if things were to, were to go topsy turvy on them. So Chris, how confident are you in these guys, and who do you think leads them in fantasy points?
2: I'm I'm fairly confident in most of those guys. Um, I think that you know just because guys don't run around necessarily doesn't mean they're not fantasy relevant. You know, Tom Brady was very good last year, as you point out, he was very good last year. The guys who can throw 300 yards in the offenses at touch two or three touchdowns per game are the quarterbacks you'd love to have, just as much as some of the running quarterbacks. So don't you know forget about these guys. Having said that, I like Matthew Stafford the best, but a lot of people have Joe Burrow as the, you know, as the ascending guy. That they think he's going to take this giant leap. I thought he was very inconsistent. Actually, the offense in general was very consistent. They had a lot of big plays, a lot of big you know scoring games. They also, had a lot of bad games, a lot of bad offensive play out there. I think the offensive the lines improved, but not enough for me to feel like this offense is going to be significantly better as a result of that. And I look at you know Matthew Stafford, second year in the system, wasn't really healthy most last year. They kind of had to hide more parts of the season last year. Or, you know, relying on a running game, but when he was throwing this offense is amazing. If his arms, you know, even a little bit healthier, as I've heard it could be, I just think this guy's a limit for him. I think Al Robinson is better in a sense than OBJ is. I think OBJ would fit, but I think Al Robinson still has a lot more to bring to the table. And in red zone, particularly, Matthew Stafford is going to be a guy who I think you can just, you know, just repeat what he did last year, if not even improve. So I'm going with Matthew Stafford.
1: Yeah, I mean. Matthew Stafford, I think, is one – I think he could easily have the same offensive output but just cut down on the mistakes. I mean, he threw um, more picks than he had in recent memory. And it was a new offense, and it's a complicated offense. And it's one that I I think was still in the process of being built. I mean, McVeigh hadn't had this this type of arm strength, if ever, in it's been a while. Um, So – if this is an offense that was in a bit of flux that was changing. Stafford certainly got better as the season went on. I mean, obviously, they won the Super Bowl. Um, certainly think things are trending in the right direction there. Um, it's it's tough. It is really tough for me to ever, ever count out Rodgers because he's just one of those Freak. freaks of nature. Um, it's like my, my rules are not counting out him, Brady, or, you know, the, you know
2: those just golden. And I guys, totally agree right. with that. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to fall a the like the way are expecting him to. But I also think even Brady, when he didn't have quite the same talent around him in the Patriots, you see the difference between him and the Patriots towards the end of his career and him in Tampa, the jump in production. I think you're, that's kind of what you're looking at. Aaron Rodgers could be fantastic out there, but he's still ultimately this is one of the slowest pace offenses you saw last year in you know in football. If that doesn't change this year, why he doesn't necessarily? He can't really let it up again with the receivers he has. Fonte Adams is going to be missed, and I think you know you see Aaron Rodgers just definitely still be one of those top quarterbacks. I just feel like these other two guys, especially Matthew Stafford, in my book, like I said, I'm just I'm in love with him in this fit.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to lean Stafford as well, but it's really difficult for me to to pass up an Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, we're going to change gears. So we just had some of those mobile or those uh, more pocket passer guys again, the guys that can run a little bit, but are certainly not. Um, You know, beating you with their legs. So we're going to switch the other side of the coin. That's Hertz and Lamar. Um, Hertz last year. Not the best product on the field, but man, for fantasy football, he was a-
0: Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs must be 21 plus wagers only accepted in Iowa gambling problem call 1-800 bets off League
1: winner last year. I mean, an absolute stud um, from fantasy perspective. His running game really, I mean, was winning you fantasy games all season long. Of course, Lamar, most of the same way, was having one of his best passing seasons, if not his best um, passing season. Obviously, the the touchdowns weren't the same as his MVP season, but looked really sharp as a passer. Um, the passing game was winning them games, but nonetheless, you were still getting that Lamar rush. So, um, Chris, with fantasy points,
2: Hurts and Lamar, wh- where are you at? To me, this is a no-brainer. I think Lamar Jackson like, is that guy. I think Lamar has a chance to be the number one quarterback overall. But, you know, that's definitely in the top two I have him. Um, and I think that there's a reason to kind of doubt what he's going to do this year. As you alluded to, he showed improvement last year in the passing attack so was able to run the ball effectively. His offensive line is significantly better, significantly improved. Lamar Jackson is stronger. He's sort a of ball from everything I hear, way more zip in the practice. I think this guy has a lot to kind of prove to people still. has wears that chip on his shoulder very well. And this offense is not you know missing Marquise Brown, but still has plenty of pieces to kind of fit what he can do well. I think Lamar Jackson kind of shows you what he's all about this year and kind of repeats that guy as the guy you want to have on your fantasy team if you can get your hands on him. So the, only yeah. thing I say, the Jeff Capital is very different. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um well, I I've I've made this comparison because in fantasy points per game, even in per game, I didn't split this by uh overall cuz obviously Lamar was hurt. But in per game, they were remarkably consistent like within a point, um which you know kind of where a lot of these especially this next one where this conversation comes from because in per game these are really close. Um, I'm going to also go Lamar. But I I think that it's hard to not have the conversation and at least think about the offense did improve a lot around Hertz this year. I think he has an opportunity to show that he can pass in the NFL. Now I don't think that he can, but he has the opportunity one last time to, you know, show that he can, you know, play in this league as a passing quarterback and a rushing quarterback. Um so
2: Good luck to him, but I'm also I'm also taking Lamar. Yeah, he's not getting very good reports out of the camp. Um, so local beat writers from the Eagles, and this is kind of, this is also something to kind of keep into the equation. He has a lot of pressure on him in Philadelphia to produce this year. As yeah. you pointed out, his offense has improved, so you need to improve. And from everything I'm hearing, he has shown a total lack of aggression down the field and is doing nothing basically but checking the ball down and throwing nothing but short passes. And they were talking about even in one of the drills where there was no actual, you know, pressure line, where he tucked to run a couple of times because he couldn't find an open receiver. Um, I think this guy has a little bit in his head that he can't mess it up. And we saw kind of guys that last couple of years when they had that kind of, I don't want to mess it up, similar to Tua, I think, you know, two years ago. That puts a lot of pressure on you to kind of not make throws. And if you don't have the greatest mechanics as it is, which he does not, and as you alluded to, you don't think he ever will. Um, just to point out, also, the other reports were that when he missed throws, like A.J. Brown, for example, they were trying to, like, iron it out, But the problem was that the throws weren't consistently missed the same way, so it wasn't like, well, we we're throwing you or underthrowing throwing you, or it was just, I miss you <laughs> consistently. So I think that consistently is kind of a little scary, that the accuracy could be a problem. John Hurst has a lot of pressure on him. But as you pointed out, it makes up with a lot of those, you know, warts in a sense with those legs, especially in the head zone. But I can't see Miles Sanders having no touchdowns again this year.
1: All right, so I alluded, this is another one, that the points per game was remarkably close um, between these two quarterbacks, and that's Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes. And this has been a tale of two off-seasons, too. Uh, Kyler's gotten his way. He's had a good summer, (laughs) got a new new toy in Marquise Brown, um, obviously got the massive contract, had his little – his little uh, controversy with the film study, but otherwise it's been a really good summer for Kyler Murray. And then on the flip side, Patrick Mahomes, losing someone like Tyreek Hill, The offense is certainly going to be very, very different than it has been his elite all time. Great tight end, Travis Kelsey, another year older getting into the thirties. Now, Chris, what do you think between these two? Again, last year, the points per game was really close. Obviously, Kyler ended up getting hurt later in the year. And for someone his size, um, that's certainly hard to not have in the equation. Like, we have an injury, an injury pass, and he does have a size where that feels really likely. But on the same token, the weapons around him are awesome. With or without DeAndre Hopkins, but obviously with. Um, I mean, the weapons are ridiculous.
2: Yeah, Adam, I'm going to have probably maybe defer to you on this one because I will admit my bias. I absolutely love Patrick Mahomes, probably my favorite quarterback in the NFL. I have a little bit of Kyler hatred that's building up over the years. Um, The Josh Rosen thing kind of upset me at first, but the more things this offseason kind of really soured me, the Kyler Murray. I didn't appreciate the whole, like, taking out, you know, a a full-page article basically saying, give me a new contract. I think that this guy is very selfish. I think he is soft to a degree. I don't think he necessarily takes his craft as seriously as he probably should. And I don't think he's nearly as talented as Patrick Mahomes. I know the talent around him has improved. And I think the weapons have been fantastic. And I think there's a lot of things I like about Colin Murray, which he's definitely going to be in my top five. But I also look at the Kansas City Chiefs as the division that you're going to score points to keep up with anybody in that division. Andy Reid, anytime you put him against in the, in the corner, in a sense, and down his offense... We'll scheme something up with you. This guy created an offense with Alex Smith as his quarterback and little weapons around with Alex Smith other than Jamal Charles, basically. I think that they can get back to basics. Patrick Mahomes would throw to anybody, anywhere. So I think the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is where I would lean, but I admit that it could be some of my bias leaking into that decision. It's hard for me to not also say Patrick
1: Mahomes, but last year with Mahomes having an advantage, I would say, as far as supporting cast, Kyler was still – it, points per game, I'll give you the actual number. Kyler was 22.2, 2, Patrick was 22. So we're like right there and that's, we're obviously losing Tyreek Hill and we're gaining a Marquise Brown over here. I mean, there's no denying, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback and I agree with most of what you're saying about Kyler's maturity <laughs> and him being a, probably a selfish individual. I think that part of the contract was in there for a reason. But at the end of the day, it's very, very difficult. I think I'd probably lean Mahomes. I think he's certainly the safer option, especially, I mean, you have to make it all season long with someone Kyler's size. An injury around playoff time will end your season, um, and we don't have that injury season with Mahomes. So when you're picking a quarterback that early, I think I'm going to lean Mahomes because they're both – both guys that are going to go earlier in drafts but I certainly think this is a really
2: close conversation oh absolutely and like I said I think there's every reason in the world you could argue collaborate could be that guy especially the talent upgrades you talked about my only concern that I have kind of is the consistency you talked about the you know the game points but I think it's week in, week out what do you yeah. do you can score 40 and score 10 the next game still have an average in you know 25 points a game as much as you did and lost as a result of being that league owner Patrick Mahomes definitely had some you know valleys last year, but for the most part over his career has been a guy that you can pretty much consistently gank on that you're going to get your 20, 25 points as a quarterback in there week in, week out. Kyler Murray kind of depends on his rushing, and as you see that kind of de- declining more and more, especially with the injury concerns, as you alluded to, when usually when quarterbacks get paid, running really quarterbacks aren't run quite as often as they used to, especially ones that aren't necessarily as thrilled to, you know, committed to being out there all the time. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see, well, he uses legs as much, and does that kind of, to a detriment, hurt his production? Because the passing attack does bad, boggle down when they get in the red zone. So if they're not making the big play for Kyle Murray in his Arizona offense, Arizona doesn't always score the points that you're looking for sometimes. And there's a lot of pressure and a lot of volatile situations going on. Kingsbury's kind of on a hot seat. Arizona gave the quarterback a little less, you know, the, the new contract, but this Arizona team's kind of been in a lot of ways. So I, I would stick with kind of the, the basics in my book, but I, yeah. I think he's definitely an interesting guy that we could definitely have as a top guy. All
1: right, we'll we'll finish off here with last year's QB one and last year's QB two. QB one: Josh Allen. QB two: Justin Herbert. Uh, Chris, is it another year another Josh Allen uh, fantasy QB throne, or
2: at least in this conversation? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Josh Allen. I even think that even as I talk about the guys running less as things kind of progress, Josh Allen can kind of make up with that with more passing. And and I love the Ken Dorsey hiring. I think the offense will be more diversified. I think it's going to hurt him. I think he'll actually be more efficient. He might not throw as often, but the offense in general, I think, will be more consistent and more explosive. I think Justin Herbert has kind of a consistency factor with me as well, where I kind of think I see the big games, but I think he have struggles in some games of the Patriots last year, a couple games where you saw the Chargers kind of really do what you them to do offensively, and he kind of relied a lot on the pace. And if that continues to be the case, the team goes down, goes for a lot on fourth downs and, and definitely have one of the fastest paces and off, offenses out there. Their defense was trash last year. Defense should be actually be good this year. We said that a lot of times with the Chargers, it should be because mm-hmm. guys always get hurt for the Chargers. But I think when we look at the team Buffalo could just basically blow people out of the water this year and have a lot of things kinda of going for them. Josh Allen has a little to kind of adjust to and actually I think they've proven the play calling where I I'm a Dorsey fan. But I look um I look at the other situation where yeah, Herford's still gonna be a great quarterback, but Willie can keep running around he has been we like, keep having those, you know, huge games that you kinda of rely on. I, I have more trust in Josh Allen. I have more trust in Josh Allen. We've now seen it for
1: two years. Um I I'm gonna take Josh Allen for sure. But I think it's interesting, kind of that same argument with Mahomes that this is this division over in the AFC West is nuts. They're going like they have to have uh, have to have him have those big games that you alluded to. I'm not necessarily concerned that those are going to go away. It's just that, like you said, the Bills this year are set up to absolutely blow everyone out of the water all year long. Um, I don't know. It's hard to not go Josh Allen, and there was a bit of a gap between the two anyways. He's my answer, but I don't know. Herbert's going to be up there too. Definitely one of, if not the most intriguing, dynasty quarterback out there right now.
2: Great point.
1: All right. All right, Chris, do you have anything else before we we start – wrapping up here
2: no i i like these debates it's definitely got a lot a lot covered tonight
1: yeah definitely a lot um had a fun time doing it um hope to see some of you listeners at the fantasy football expo yes. next week um we will both be there super excited about that um yeah so definitely excited there chris what's going on with the belly up mdff show
2: yeah, we're going to have our, our top five, our bus five, and our sleeper five. Kind of, we lose to some of these guys that we have the value, or you know, some of the guys that we think are going to be the top quarterbacks to have. I'm sure some of these quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert will definitely be on those lists. Um, so, again, yeah, check us out on Thursday. Awesome. Awesome. And again,
1: I've mentioned this the last couple of shows. We make sure you're signing up for the Belly Up Bowl. It's for a really good cause, doing it with the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation go up to belly up fantasy.com. It'll be up in the menu. Um, it's 20 or $25. It's on sleeper best ball. So you draft set it, forget it. Um, you know, once you've, uh, once you've picked your guys don't need to worry about it anymore. It's great for if you're a busy person, um, again, really good cause can't speak enough about it. I'm in there for the second year, super excited about it. Um, so, yeah, definitely recommend you, you join up over there. Thank Absolutely. you so Yeah, so th- thank you guys for uh, listening, tuning in. It uh, means a lot, and we will see you
0: in two weeks.